Welcome to the Truth About Cars podcast brought to you by eBay Motors. Today we're recording live from the floor of America's largest auto show. Do auto shows still matter? Well, we've got someone from the someone joining the podcast to tell us why they do. Plus, we'll have nationally syndicated auto writer and blogger Jill Simonillo on the show to give us a rundown of all the debuts here in the Windy City. But first, we've got to remind you that T-TAC podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So we are here with Jen Moran from the Chicago Auto Show and Chris Tun, contributor extraordinaire to T-TAC. So, Jen, can you tell us, before I uh, broach the question, so there's a lot of media talk, just to give our listeners some background, a lot of media talk about media days of auto shows dying. Now, I've been on record of writing on T-TAC that, for me, the media show may die. The public show will never die. As long as we buy, as long as you can buy cars, until we get to the point where we're all self-driving cars and they're all signed to you like the Jetsons. So, anyway, Jill, can, or excuse me, Jen, can you tell us uh, exactly why the auto show is not dying? Yeah. So, Tim, thanks for that background, and that context. So, this morning I mentioned to about 500 of our industry friends that when they're considering writing headlines that the auto show is dead. What are they really talking about? Are they talking about the media preview, the lack of press conferences, or are they really examining the public show? Because I'd have to argue if any of them came back during our public show, they would truly see that an auto show is not dead. In fact, it is very much alive and well. We have hundreds of thousands of consumers that are coming through those doors every single day. Um, You know, we've seen a record growth, 50% year over year coming out of the pandemic. Of course, as the pandemic hit, we had attendance decrease. But, you know, that growth, though, has been noted. And we were actually featured in an industry a trade executive publication. And we were actually asked to speak about it because how did you bring those consumers back? Um, but I don't know that necessarily anything that we did as much as it is a tradition for many consumers in February in Chicago. Awesome. And then can you tell us about where you see the future of, so obviously the public days are, I think, are fine. But media days, and I don't want to be like selfish here, but can you talk to us a little bit about the future of media previews, whether it's Chicago, New York, Detroit, Los Angeles? Is it something that's just maybe been a temporary blip due to COVID and supply chain issues and all the other things that are affecting the industry? Or are or our media days, as the world changes and the internet is, you know, you have debuts done offsite, that sort of thing. What do you see the media preview going from here? It's a really great question. So, you know, I've been, this is, let's see, 12 years consecutive for me for for the auto shows. I've seen ebb and flow over the years, but back in the heyday where manufacturers were spending millions of of dollars investing in their uh, media preview press conferences, I mean, and they had all crazy stunts. You know, we were just chatting offline about some of the crazy things that happened in the Detroit auto show with cattle. And I mean, they were, they were big productions that were a lot of money. And I tell manufacturers, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's smart to spend that amount of money on, on, yeah, it's fun for media. And of course it's something to capture on, you know, in terms of content, but if they're not seeing the ROI from the spend, then it just doesn't make sense. So I'd much really rather have manufacturers to debut a vehicle, say on YouTube or Instagram, but have that vehicle at our media preview, because that's still something to be said when there's media here, um, they're able to capture it. They're still able to get those executive interviews. So in for a lot of cases, many of these vehicles are uh, shown for the first time on the show floor. 
So I, I don't necessarily have the right answer in terms of where we'll go, who knows where we'll go. My hope is that there's still media peer reviews and there's still vehicle debuts. They just might look a little bit different. So in so many words, what you're saying is even if the car is shown at an offsite event, there might be journalists who don't go to that event. It's still a chance for us in the media to see the car for the first time. Yeah. And I think too, just talking with a lot of our journalist friends, it's the, um, you know, the, the low pressure because they're here. There's just so much content to be gathered on the show floor and they could do executive interviews. They could do standups with their teams, you know, of course, a ton of social content. So, you know, the amount of stories that are found on the show floor, I mean, they're, they're prevalent. So I think that, you know, it's still a very newsworthy event. Um, you just might not see those glitz and glamorous displays of the past where, you know, they were spending millions of dollars and then just basically tearing it down before the public even came to the show. One vehicle that's here, I've not yet had a chance to see it this morning, but one vehicle that's here that uh, a lot of journalists have not yet seen in person is the Cybertruck, the Tesla Cybertruck. So is that kind of a perfect example of what you were just talking about? Yeah, you know, and that's a great segue because we have actually two brands that are new to the Chicago Auto Show this year, Tesla being one of them, as well as Lucid. And those brands have traditionally not participated in, in a traditional auto show. And so you're talking about the, you know, the death of an auto show or this old school, you know, mentality. But there's a probably a good reason that auto shows have been around for a century. And, you know, they do need to continue to evolve. But just the sheer fact that new brands like Lucid and Tesla are in the show should shed some light as to what's going on. They must be working. They must get a lot of people in the vehicles in front of a lot of, of, of consumers um, because the reality is, is, is Tesla and Lucid need to um, increase sales. And where else to do that but an auto show? I also have to speculate, and I, I would guess that when the public days open, uh, I believe Saturday morning, when the public days open, the Tesla Cybertruck is going to be real popular with the public because most people haven't seen one yet. I have not seen one in the wild, quote unquote, in the wild yet. No. I have not seen one in person. Uh, I, you know, I remember when I saw the first Model S, you know, years ago, and now they're everywhere, but but not quite so much with the Cybertruck. So that'd be interesting. And before we let you go, Jen, there's a few minutes left for the segment like to know what your favorite auto show debut either at Chicago or anywhere else ever is. <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't want to steal yours, Tim, because we were just chatting offline about it, but I, I really do have to say the Mazda Miata because that was a Chicago auto show de- debut in the nineties. Um, it actually celebrated its 30 year anniversary show, you know, a few years back. Um, and actually to, to mention Mazda, we're actually happy that they're back in the show this year. So for many years, Mazda sat out of the show, but um with the support of Napleton Auto Group and Mazda, we're able to bring them back. So we're thrilled to have them in. Um, their full lineup is here. So again, just another manufacturer showcasing their products that many haven't seen, you know, to your point in the wild in a long time. Great. Thanks for your time, Jen. This Again, this is Jennifer Moran, the president of the Chicago Automobile Trade Association and the general manager of the Chicago Auto Show. Thank you for your time, and we appreciate it. We'll be back in the T-Tech podcast with Jill Simonello after this. Welcome back to the Truth About Cars podcast. My name is Tim Healy. I'm the managing editor of the Truth About Cars. You can find us at ttac.com or thetruthaboutcars.com. Here with, we had Jennifer Moran from Chicago Auto Show on earlier, and now we have uh, automotive content creator and Nactoy, that's North American Car and Truck of the Year, Jill Simonillo on talk about the Chicago Auto Show as well. She's actually been on the show floor this morning and seen a little bit of stuff that Chris and I have not yet had a chance to go check out. So we can talk Cybertruck, we can talk Nissan, we can talk Chicago Auto Show in general. And we're also going to have to put Jill on the spot and ask her the same thing we asked Jen, what her favorite auto show debut of all time is. So, Jill, can you talk a little bit about the Cybertruck? You said you just saw it. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I actually had the opportunity to see the Cybertruck. Uh, it was on display at the Gold Coast dealership in Chicago and um, the day that they revealed it, quote unquote, and or they, they did not the reveal, but the um, it was the delivery day. And and so I went down and did a walk around and was able to look at the exterior then. But this is the first time I've had the opportunity to really look in the interior. And I was incredibly surprised by the minimalistness. I don't know if that is a word, but I'm using it anyway, of the interior. And uh, I don't know that I like the fact that everything is controlled by the center screen, but I think that's something you would get used to as an owner. The one thing I did make it a point to check out was the frunk because the, the Cybertruck has one. And um, in case you're wondering, I did, in fact, I climb was, into the frunk. I was just going to ask, did you fit? I did. I fit very well. Um, I haven't posted it yet, but I did have a picture taken. I have uh, an Instagram handle. It's called Girl in the Trunk. So uh, if you want to see something kind of funny, you can see me in a whole bunch of trunks of cars and the Cybertruck photo with the frunk will be there. And it was really funny. Some random guy comes up to me after that and he's like, do you want to see how a six foot tall dude fits in here? And I was like, sure. And so I took a picture of him. That will also be fit? there. Because I'm six foot one. I don't think fit-ish. I would fit. Ish. Fit is, I use fit in air quotes. So his legs are hanging over there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you could not have closed the, yeah. the frunk. Not without hurting him anyway. No, I told him he'd have to cut off his body parts. <laughs> and yeah, he was like, that's a negatory. And I'm like, that's true. That would I think be you turned to a dark place. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's so, okay. so Cybertruck, well, Cybertruck, dark place. But um, yeah. at any rate, uh, I, you know, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like, I'm, I'm not too much of a fan of the Cybertruck, but it does look better in person. I think than what you see in pictures and I haven't seen it driving around on the streets yet, but I think definitely when you have the chance to see it in real life, I think it looks a little bit better than what you might think it does. So my next question for you is we just had Jennifer on to talk about future model shows. Now mm-hmm. she is by definition biased. As you say biased. Yeah. Because she works <laughs> for the auto show. Right. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. And so my, my take in case you didn't catch the segment as you came in, my take is that um, the public days are going to exist as long as there is a car buying public. Mm-hmm. Auto show public days will never, ever go away. Just because unless until we get to the point where we all, we're all assigned self-driving pods, which hopefully never happens, people don't want to shop in a pressure-free environment. That being said, I think media days may go away. So I kind of want to hear your take as someone who's been in the automotive media as long as I have, actually a little bit longer. And I'd like to hear your take on you know how the media days have changed over the years. When I started, it was three full press days in Detroit. It was a day and a half in Chicago. Very busy. Press conferences uh, every half hour. You know, it's a little bit different. A lot of off-site unveils. Uh, automakers will do stuff the night before an auto show. They'll do it a couple days before. Sometimes they'll do it completely independent of an auto show, like the Corvette a few years ago in California. So before I keep rambling on too much about it, I would like to hear your take and, and see what you, where you think the media days are going in the future. Yeah, you know, I have so many thoughts on this. And and one of the hats I wear is I'm the managing editor for Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. And, you know, the publisher, Tim Estradal, and I have talked about uh, the auto shows a lot. And I agree with you. I think that there's definitely going to be much more of a consumer focus, as it should be. I came here last year with a friend, and maybe it was a couple of years at this point, but I, I came here one year with a friend who was going to be buying a new vehicle. And he was looking at 
midsize two row SUVs. And he had a spreadsheet with a list of all of the SUVs that he wanted to look at. And his wife has MS. And so it was very important for her to sit behind the driver's seat and see if she could get into the car, how she felt behind the wheel, and if there was anything awkward that would give her problems driving. And so he comes with this list, and I've taken him around to all of the cars, and, and he was like, but where's the Honda CRV?" And it was the one year Honda decided not to come to the Chicago Auto <laughs> Show. And I said, well, um, they're not here. And so he, that was his top vehicle to buy, and he did not buy it because it was not at the Chicago Auto Show. So, I, I mean, I think that automakers are really missing out if they are turning down the opportunity to be at a show and turning down the opportunity to be at the biggest consumer auto show in the United States. I think that's a huge mistake because people do come to these shows to sit their butt in a seat and see how it fits their lifestyle, how it fits their size. Like I'm five feet tall. I'm small. And I cannot fit comfortably behind the wheel of a lot of vehicles. And and it's not because I can't see. It's because you scoot the seat so far forward, my knee hits the underbelly of the steering column or the dash. And so I don't want to go and think, oh, I want to buy XYZ car. And then I go all the way out to a dealership where somebody's trying to do a hard sell on me. And then I find as soon as I sit in it, I can't, I can't, I shouldn't even test drive this car. <laughs> so coming to an auto show is really important, I think, for consumers. And, and I know you asked me about the media days, so let's let's transition there. Now, I think that while we aren't going to get all of the press conferences at media days, I think they're still very, very important. I've shot five videos already today. And, and why this is important is because you have all of the vehicles on display. And so you can go from a Chevy Colorado to a Ford Ranger and do a comparison. And that's really hard to do if you are getting a media test vehicle. So I had the Lexus TX uh, a couple weeks ago. And I want to do a comparison of the Toyota Grand Highlander, which I get in a couple of weeks. So I shot part one of my video two weeks ago, and then I'm going to have to rewatch all of that to shoot part two of my video when I get the test vehicle. And so while you're not going to get as many news conferences, I think you still get a lot of really good content just out of being here because you get the variety of vehicles and you can see the comparisons between all of the midsize trucks, all of the full-size trucks, all of the midsize SUVs. I, I did a video a couple of years ago at the auto show where I compared the third row of all of the full-size SUVs and, and declared a winner of which one had the best third row, which by the way, Jeep Wagoneer, that, that's, that's the winner. But, but I, I just, I think that even though there's not perhaps a lot of news to be had because the, the news conferences aren't here, there's still a lot of content to be created. And so I would hate to see a media day go away. And I'm still, I'm personally very excited that Chicago is giving us two media days because I, you know, will go and do like full size YouTube videos today. And tomorrow is going to be my cleanup day where I go and shoot TikToks and photos for Instagram. So I just, I, I, I hope that even though there aren't conferences and, and news, quote unquote, um, that the media days don't go away because I still think they're super important. And I think that we pre create some really valuable content just by being on the show floor. You're also sort of echoing what Jen said when she was on. I don't know if you caught that, but she um, she mentioned that even with debuts that don't take place at mm -hmm. the auto show, it's still good for us in the media to see those cars. We yeah. may have not have been at the event. We may have been invited or may have been, you know, we just couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. So like the Cybertruck is a perfect example. It's, yep. Tesla didn't invite a lot of automotive media that I know of. I mean, a lot of, there was a big splash when they unveiled it, but 
I remember the first time we saw the truck was four years ago or five years ago now, I think, in LA. Yeah, 2019. 2019, you're right. Forever ago. I remember being at dinner with uh, a different automaker and seeing it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Everyone was on their phones looking at Twitter Mm because Elon was unveiling it at the same time. So long story short, I still have not seen the truck in person. I will after we sign off here, but... It's a good. That's a good example of a vehicle that was unveiled somewhere else, but yep. you can still see it in the media day. Get a, get a chance to shoot a video, write about it, or even just look at it. And, yeah, I mean, see it in person so for the first time. The, the Ford Explorer. I mean, I think that's a perfect example one, yeah. right now. Um, it was unveiled probably two weeks ago at a very small event. And this is the first time the public has the chance to see the vehicle. It's the first time a lot of media have had the chance to see the vehicle. And what is great about this opportunity is <laughs> instead of having like a small room with 20 people who are trying to get in the vehicle and then they shoot you out um, afterwards, you have, okay, maybe 500 media here. I don't know how many media are here today, but you have media here, but it, you have two days to get the content mm-hmm. you want and get in and out of the vehicle. You can crawl into the third row. You can play with the power seats. You can really get, that was one of the videos we shot this morning. So, um, but you have the really great opportunity to see this vehicle and develop in-depth content that you maybe wouldn't even have the opportunity to do at a, 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 you know, private reveal because everybody's crawling over Mm -hmm. the vehicle at that point. So uh, yeah, I think, I I think that's a really good point. So even though automakers are doing offsite reveals, this is still a really good moment to capture content of things that people haven't seen yet. Right. That, that's absolutely true. Uh, so we're going to change gears slightly, but still talk about the auto show. So we'd like to ask you, we asked Jen this question as well, and Chris and I will talk about it a little bit later. I'd like to ask you uh, what your favorite auto show debut mm-hmm. of all time is. We'd prefer it if you pick Chicago, a Chicago debut, but it doesn't have to be because you're not a Chicago auto show employee. So it can be any, <laughs> any auto show. Mine is actually not Chicago, but uh, we'll get there in a few minutes. But, but I'd like to hear what yours is. You know what? After 20 years of auto shows, I'll be honest with you, they all kind of blend together. But I will tell you that the two automakers that have traditionally done great reveals or debuts at the Chicago show have been Jeep mm-hmm. and uh, Kia. Kia, I, I remember one year, I can't even remember the vehicle they were, were showcasing, but it may have been like the Kia Forte or the Kia Soul, but they like had a band on stage and, you know, with rainbows. And I mean, it was this big fanfare. Um, but I, I mean, I miss the days of the spectacle of the big reveals that they used to do. I miss the one Me where I think it was Dodge Nitro, maybe where they tipped a container over and the vehicle drove out of. Yeah, I wasn't in this industry yet at that time. Yeah, I okay. feel like I missed that one. But I, it, there have been some pretty, and, and I, I know one of the famous reveals they've talked about is Jeep driving through a glass window mm-hmm. or something. And uh, I, 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 I think that was even a little bit before my time. Uh, but It might have been. I can't remember what year that was. I feel like it might have been in the 90s. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but no, I mean, I, I think that anybody who does a reveal at an auto show, there's so much pressure to do something unique and different. But the, the ones that have um, generally stuck out in my mind, and like I said, I can't point to a specific car because it all blurs at this point, but like Jeep and Kia have traditionally done like the best reveals. 
Yeah, I, I would agree that I, and Chris and I will talk about this in a few minutes too. I, I would agree that for the most part, I missed the spectacular reveals. That being said, they were also a lot more work. So, they were a lot more work. And then you fight yeah. for the seats in the media area. And then like me, I, like I'm five feet tall. And so what I would do in order to um, be able to see is I literally duck under people's elbows and people would like give me a dirty look. And I'm like, dude, you can see over me. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be blocking your view. There is nothing about this five foot tall package that is going to be blocking your view. Get over it. Unless you hop in the trunk. Yeah, you know. Well, great, Jill. Thank you for your time. Again, this is Jill Simonillo with us on the Truth About Cars podcast. She is an automotive content creator and also a North American Car and Truck of the Year juror. So, Jill, thank you for your time. And we'll be right back on the T-Tech podcast after this. Hello, welcome back to the Truth About Cars podcast. I am Tim Healy, the managing editor for the Truth About Cars, and we are here with Matthew Guy, our Stuff We Use expert. So for those who don't know, Stuff We Use is a segment we do on the site a few times a month where we uh, have Matthew kind of write up products that he's actually used. So instead of doing product reviews based on aggregation of, say, Amazon reviews um, or, or any of that sort of thing, we're looking at what actually Matt actually uses in his own house with his own cars. So that being said, today we're talking about hydraulic floor jacks. And Matthew, you, could you walk us through, first of all, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Tim. How about you today? I'm doing well. So can you walk us through hydraulic floor jacks? Uh, as regular listeners will know, I'm not at a point in my life where I can wrench on cars very easily, just based on where I live. But you, however, are. And you probably know a little bit more about using hydraulic floor jacks and which ones are the best ones to use and which ones are the ones to avoid, uh, and especially in terms of also safety. Safety is a huge thing with this as well. So kind of walk us through the best ones, the worst ones, and also how to use them safely. Absolutely. And I mean, like you would have known through your days uh, when you worked in the parts stores and in the departments and things like in, in the dealerships and things like that, you always use these uh, hydraulic jacks in conjunction with a couple of good jack stands, right? <laughs> So right, right, yeah, 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 right. So that's that's the legal stuff out of the way, but it's also practical, right? I mean, make sure you've got something else under your yeah. car. No one wants a truck to fall jets. on them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I like using so when you're shopping for a jack. Um, any of our listeners who are shopping for a jack, always look at the weight rating of them. Now there are usually uh, two or two and a quarter ton are very, very um, attractive in terms of their price point, generally. Um, so you can do the math and you can try to figure out how much weight those are going to bear. But just stepping up to the level, the one that I have is a three-ton jack. And whilst that might seem like it's complete and utter overkill for anything that I lift, um, whether it's an MR2 or, um, I was going to say the Challenger, but the Challenger weighs as much as a small moon. Um, mm -hmm. so, <laughs> but even that's okay with a three-ton jack. Um, I do recommend spending the little bit extra and going for something that is three tons. Um, the one that I've got uh, that is found on Amazon, I have a Motomaster brand from Canadian Tire, just popped across the border and got it. Um, and the one that I found on Amazon that was very similar was called Jack Boss, which you can make all kinds of jokes about, but it looks exactly the same. Um, it rolls easily enough with the handle having enough gumption, you know, to uh, endure my habits of using it as a grit point for raising the jack's rear wheels over an obstacle, right? If I'm dragging it across the floor and there's a hose or, or an air hose or something like that, just to be able to get that, uh, just to get that over the... Uh, over the top. So 
Yeah. Um, and the wheels are just as loud as you think when the jack is being rolled across concrete <laughs> or a tarmac drive where your neighbors will love you. Um, but when you're looking at these three-ton jacks as well, um, also look and make sure that the main handle, it's a really nice addition if there's a small auxiliary handle there jutting out from just under the main one. And its purpose is that if you're in a tight spot or close quarters, somewhere like that, maybe you're right next to someone else in the uh, in the pits where you're racing or you're uh, in a single car garage or something like that, the auxiliary handle, you can use that to pump up the jack um, instead of having to move the great big handle. Um, so I like that. So make sure to look for that when you're, uh, when you're shopping for a three-ton jack. So what you're saying is buy the three-ton jack and make sure you don't do any work in your car at four in the morning and wake up your neighbors. That's a very good thing in a nutshell. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else we should be looking for? Uh, overall shopping tips, not just best or worst or which brand you prefer, but but just overall shopping tips as well. That you haven't already mentioned. To, uh, should be, I should uh, I should add. <laughs> no, all good. Um, I think, I mean, even if you do have a little two-ton solution, I mean, that was perfect for when I was a dirt-poor university student trying to save money for changing oil on my own car, right? Um, as long as that uh, holds the weight of your car, look for something like that. It, one of the things I did find with the smaller jacks is the contact um, disc, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, is pretty small. So I used to try to keep a, a stout piece of two by four or something like that hanging around so that I could use that as a bit of a, you know, a bit of not leverage, but the added length of two by four lumber to the jack pad will be sandwiched between the jack and the car. So that helped to enlarge the contact surface and, you know, maybe distributed the weight loads just a little bit more. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, can you give us an example of a time that a jack has really sort of helped you in a, in a way that you wouldn't think or, or, or is it just one of those things where they're pretty straightforward is, I, I don't know how to express what i'm trying to ask you here but is, is it one of those things where maybe there was a car you didn't think you could lift yeah. and the jack did better than you expected can you kind of walk us through something like that yeah absolutely um because you know you're going to use it if you're changing brakes or if you're changing oil or something like that but you can use them <laughs> there was one creative way uh when i was uh, i had a, a four-wheeler up in the back of a chevy silverado and the way that I had my ramps put in uh, after I had put the um, four-wheeler in, I put my ramps in, then I closed the tailgate. They, the ramps were wedged in such that I couldn't open the tailgate. So what oh, I ended geez. up doing was, yeah, right? So what I ended up doing was taking the floor jack and jacking up, uh, putting it under the uh, uh, back of the four-wheeler and just jacking up uh, the four-wheeler, you know, uh, so that I could then get the... Um, ramps out, and then I could lower the tailgate and take out my my, my uh, ATV. <laughs> so that was completely unexpected, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the floor jack that day. Well, so obviously hydraulic floor jacks uh, absolutely can help out in all sorts of ways, both expected and unexpected. Thanks, Matt. That's all our time that we have for today. So again, this is the Truth About Cars podcast, and we'll be right back talking about the Chicago Auto Show. Matthew, we'll see you next time. Thank you.
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. Transformed 100,000 miles on a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. So, Chris, uh, we just talked to Jennifer Moran from the Chicago Auto Show and, and uh, Jill Simonillo, who is an automotive content creator, about the future of Auto Show Media Days. And, Chris, I want to hear your take and, and see what your sense is on, on if Media Days are going to be going away anytime soon. Now, I personally believe that public days for auto shows will always be around as long as we're buying cars. But Media Days might be a thing of the past. Do you agree? I I do honestly I um you know, the media I, I'm including myself here of course uh, we feel they're are, are important enough but uh, uh, to we're self centered certainly but we're not buying the cars the dealers and the consumers are buying the cars and that's what the car show is all about and in the old days when a car show when media days were the hot thing. Journalists were running 30, you know, every 30 minutes from one press conference to the next and fighting for position, fighting to get close to take photographs of a car that they hadn't seen yet. And this goes back to the days before the internet, before we could have immediate media assets available online and can download them and share them as needed. Um, and with the advent of the internet and with the pandemic and all that, it's not feasible to, or it's not necessary really to get everybody in one place every, and only have a half hour taking a look at a vehicle. We can go off site. We can go to a beautiful location rather than some convention hall downtown somewhere and spend a little more time with the vehicle and really do a good job of trying to tell the story rather than dashing something off in 30 minutes before a deadline. Um, but that's not important to the people that really matter to the automaker. That's important. Uh, what's important to those people are a chance to look at a car that they're thinking about buying so they can walk around a air-conditioned or heated, depending on the weather. It's surprisingly nice here in Chicago right now. Um, they can walk around a comfortable floor and compare all of the different vehicles they're considering buying without the pressure of dealerships. And the dealers are often part of that equation. They're often staffing these auto shows, especially not just the, the big four, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., and New York. Uh, there's tons of regional auto shows put on by local dealer associations. Uh, my local uh, Columbus auto show, I think, is in about two weeks. I'm going to have to check it out. It's a four-day event, and I can go take a look at every car that is available. for. Um, well, not every car, because not every automaker <laughs> shows up, unfortunately, but... Uh, I can go take a look at every car I could, might want to consider buying for myself. Yeah, I think you make a good point with the dealers. I think uh, it's it's important to note that the dealers are kind of supporting, in some cases, 
I don't think it happened here in Chicago this year, but I think in some cases automakers have pulled out and dealers have sort of stepped up and brought the cars. So, so I, I think overall you're, you're right. I think in general, um, the the idea of auto shows is they're they're not for us in the media. They're for public. They're they're there for the public to look at cars without being pressured by a salesperson. They're there to look at cars with on their own on their own on their own pace on their own time and their own dime. Right. So I think you know where we're at as media, and it it's, it is a bit shocking looking at the auto show map to see that Stellantis isn't here. Although they have the last year's UAW strike as an excuse, and it is a bit shocking what we saw on the show floor today that there are. You know, there are fewer cars in some stands. Uh, uh, Volkswagen didn't bring the Jetta or the GTI, although I was, t- I was actually told by a Volkswagen person that part of the reason why they didn't do that is uh, it's because of their Super Bowl commercial, which we can't really talk about just yet, but it's embargoed till tomorrow. But, um, yeah, so so it is a little bit weird to see that there are certain manufacturers that just aren't here. Mercedes is not here. Porsche is not here. Uh, some groups are sort of dealer-only. Uh, there are... There's not uh, a Stellantis presence, uh, as we said, because of the the UAW strike. So it's a little bit weird to have a media day like this. But at the same time, like you said, Chris, I think it's all about it's all about consumers and what they could do on the public days. And speaking of the public days, those of you in our listening audience who will be in Chicago this year at the public days will have a chance to finally see Tesla's Cybertruck up close, which for Chris and I, it was our first time seeing it. And I... I um, Chris, I wanted to pick your brain and think and have you talk to me about what you think of the Cybertruck. I think it is way worse looking in person than I expected. And I will talk about that in just a few, just a few minutes, but I wanted to hear your thoughts first. Well, to be honest, it is a absurd exercise in styling and um, ego building or ego boosting for Elon. And politics aside, you know, Tesla has made it uh, their name on building cars that people want to buy, and at least a certain segment of people want to buy. And it's a pretty uh, significant segment, especially if you look at the the sales of the Model Three last year. So it makes sense that Tesla wanted to put out a truck of some sort because Americans love trucks, and Tesla buyers apparently wanted to have a truck of some sort in their arsenal. But to make it so patently weird is probably the best word I can use for it. Is um I don't know, it's just a little shocking. It's it's maybe not quite as ugly in person as it is in photos, but that is splitting some hairs because it is still ungainly. It is still weird. It's just, just, I don't know. It it does not feel like it is a practical vehicle to be used as a truck is meant to be used. Uh, Well, well, you and I were chatting offline and you said something about Tesla and Silicon, well, not just Tesla specifically, but all of Silicon Valley, their, their mantra or motto is, move fast and break things and the cyber truck broke my eyes. So yep. I, I really wanted to keep an open mind on it. I I've been harsh on Elon Musk and Tesla uh, on T-Tech on the site itself. And I've, you know, I, I not thrilled with a lot of how he runs his businesses and, and his, some of the, what he says on Twitter in terms of um, 
misinformation more so than anything political. But I always try and separate the car from the automaker CEO, first of all. And second of all, I, you know, I always try and give any vehicle a, a chance, no matter how it looks in pictures. And there are some cars that over the years, over the, you know, 15, 20 years I've been doing this, there are some cars I thought, oh, you know, that's not a very good looking car. And I saw it in person and thought, oh yeah, it looks really great. And vice versa. There's been a few cars I thought photographed really well and didn't look so good. So I thought, okay, well, Cybertruck, you know, I'll wait till I see it in person before I really, really pass any judgment on it. I know I did it on TTAC based on press photos because that's our job. We kind of have to and didn't really have a choice. But, uh, you know, I really was still trying. I was still kind of thinking to myself, like, hey, maybe I said it was ugly when I saw it in press photos, but maybe in person I'll, I'll be wrong. I'll change my mind. And, and no, it just I, I gave myself a good 10 or 15 seconds standing next to it, just sort of soaking it in. I didn't know why I just glanced at it and walk away. I wanted to really, really look at it. And I looked at the interior as well, the, the minimalist interior. And I just, it looks like a Hot Wheels car. When, so those of you who are old enough might remember Hot Wheels cars. There were the cars that were basically based on real life production vehicles. I think those were mostly Matchbox. And the Hot Wheels always had these weird uh, concept things that in real life you could never build. They were just too weird. They, they would they wouldn't be aerodynamic or cost effective or whatever. The Tesla Cybertruck looks like a Hot Wheel came to life, and it is, you know, it's going to sell because there are going to be some people who just love Tesla. There are going to be some people who want to have it to be different. There are going to be some fir- there are going to be some early adopters who want to be the first ones in line, and, and there's going to be some of that. There'll be some of the ones who they want the cool toy and they think it's the cool toy, whether whether you think so or not. So there's going to be some of that, but especially like the, the type of people who bought Google Glass a few years ago or, or Apple Vision Pro now, some of those people will be will be almost certainly tooling around in Cybertrucks. That being said, it's a bit it's it's just it's it's not good looking and it's not going to sell for its style. Now some people might think it's good looking. It, beauty is an avidity holder, but it's it you know. I look at the other Tesla models and they're actually attractive. The Model S, the Model E, the Model Y. They're generally good looking cars. The Cybertruck is just not. And it, it, it feels like a fever dream came to life. So, you know, if you're in Chicago, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be in the Chicago Auto Show this week, check it out. I definitely recommend it but because you want to see it for yourself. But personally, I think Chris and I agree that the Cybertruck is not so good looking. Uh, Chris, on that note, I wanted to transition a little bit. So the Cybertruck obviously is not debuting in Chicago, but it's the first time that we're seeing it. But auto shows, as we spoke about earlier, really did have, in the past, they really had a reputation for kind of over-the-top vehicle launches, whether it was here in Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, sometimes international auto shows. So we asked Jen Moran from the Chicago Auto Show, and we asked Jill Savinillo earlier what their uh, favorite auto show debuts of all time were. I want to hear yours. Well, I've got two. Uh, one's personal, and it's not necessarily a spectacular event. And neither of them one, neither ones that I actually saw in person. Uh, but here in Chicago, thirty years ago, no, thirty. Oh goodness, I'm dating myself. Thirty-five years ago, nineteen eighty-nine, uh, the Miata uh, debuted, uh, February of nineteen eighty-nine, and. I've got a 91 Miata in my house, in, in my garage, that I've owned for 20 years. It's never going in a way. It's going to be part of my life forever. And that has been a very important vehicle for, uh, it's been an important vehicle for Mazda, and it has revived the sports car industry. 
uh, which was dying in because of the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, the most spectacular one I can think of would have been the 1992 Jeep Grand Cherokee, where uh, this is a redesigned Cherokee, Grand Cherokee, and they drove it through a sheet of plate glass up the stairs uh, to Cobo Hall in Detroit. So that would have been, if I'm doing my math right, Jan- uh, January of 1992. And they were shattering all expectations of what a Jeep could be. Uh, yeah, I do remember, I do vaguely remember that. I was pretty young at the time, but I yeah. definitely remember hearing about that over the years. Uh, so for me, my two favorite auto show, deb- I also have two, my two favorite auto show debuts, I would say there's one I went to in person and one I did not, although I did cover it remotely in my very first job in this industry. That was the the first one would be the, I want to say it was the year 2008. Uh, someone has to double check that for me, but I think it was 2008. It was the Ram in Detroit and Chrysler or Stellantis Chrysler, whatever they were called at the time. Well, they weren't Stellantis yet, but whatever they were, whatever corporate umbrella they were at at the time, they ran, they ran cattle through the streets of Detroit. Now, I was not there for that. I covered it remotely, but um, and when I say covered it remotely, really, I mean that the place I was working at the time, we didn't do a lot of breaking news, but we were, we were following along with our coworkers who were in Detroit, and we were following along on the blogs that were in Detroit Live and, and, and updating news throughout the day. So the reason why I like that one is, first of all, the image of cattle in a big city is just hilarious. It just is, because it's not something you see every day. And the second thing I, I loved about that, that uh, press debut or vehicle debut is... It it's it was like the peak of the spectacle. And, you know, for those of for those of you in the listening audience who've been following along to autom- automotive media for a while, or who have ever worked in automotive media, you will remember that at least five, probably ten years ago, it was really a lot of spectacle on these vehicle debuts. Not all of them. Not not everyone. Not every automaker wanted to spend that kind of money. Not every automaker had a creative enough person in charge of of these things. But they could get really out there sometimes, and I think. As far as I know, and there may be older examples from before my time, there may be things I'm not aware of, but having cattle march through downtown Detroit is about as much peak spectacle as you can get. I don't really know how you could top that. And it's just pretty awesome to think about that. Hey, and it wasn't even that long ago. It was, it was only like uh, 15, 16 years. So it wasn't like some long, long ago thing. It was within within memory for most of us. It, it's so, it's a little bit kind of, a, it's a little bit, I don't want to say it's a shame. It's a little bit, it's different now. And I don't know if it's good or bad that there's less spectacle. I think it's, you know, it's in some ways who cares, right? Like we want to see the car. We don't want to see cattle in the street. And the other, in other ways, it definitely brings a lot of attention to the automaker. So there's, there's pros and cons to everything, but definitely the spectacle is dialed down. And, and that kind of brings me to my next one. This is not a famous debut. I don't even remember what car it was. I know it was a Scion because it was one of the last, was one of the, Pardon the pun. It was one of the last scions. Uh, this was probably 20, ooh, I don't know what year it was, but it was New York Auto Show, and it was a couple of years before Scion went away. And it was an off-site unveil, so it didn't count. I don't know if it counts as an auto show debut, but it was during the New York Auto Show, so I guess it, I guess we can make it count. It was an off-site unveil on the west side of Manhattan, around 10th Avenue or so. There was It was one of those things where you go to an art gallery, 
or an art studio, studio space that the automaker rents for the night. And the thing that I really remember about it, just to kind of give people who've never done this or never been to an auto show media day a sense of the spectacle that used to happen, for whatever car it was, and it was very not, not a memorable car because I can't remember it, but they had a bunch of gymnasts essentially descending from the ceiling and doing those kind of uh, Vegas-style dance moves where they're kind of suspended from a wire and they're twirling around in the air and you know they're they're doing all sorts of stuff and it's acrobatics and it's like uh in oceans 11 when they're recruiting the team and they, they find the guy who, who's going to do the backflips and get them into the casino vault it's sort of like that scene it's 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 it was incredible and uh i walked away from that thinking man how much money do they spend on this for this car that's not even a very interesting car <laughs> again i can't even remember what it was but it was not some sporty car not some luxury car it was a scion so, you know, that's how auto shows used to be. And that wasn't that long ago. It was less than a decade. So now, now that auto shows are a little bit different, you know, we're probably not going to have these, these conversations about our, automotive, about our favorite automotive auto show debuts five or ten years from now. That's kind of a bummer. But, you know, it's like, like at the Chicago Auto Show this year, the only debuts were a couple of Kias. So it's a bit of a bummer, Chris, but... Uh, you know, maybe we'll have, maybe we'll be surprised there will be something on our, on our list when we have this conversation five or 10 years from now. I, uh, good point. I actually looked up, uh, the, the Ram running of the bulls through Detroit. Um, it was 2008. Okay. January, was, 2008. I was right. I was right. Um, recall what happened later that year with both Chrysler and General Motors. Yes, I do. And I don't want to talk Bail about out. today. We could do a whole other podcast on that one. Oh, I'm sure we could. So I've that... actually been thinking about the bailouts a lot for the past 15 years because that was right. I was just really getting my feet wet in this industry when it all happened. So I, I've got a lot of thoughts on the bailouts. But we'll save those for another time. <laughs> all right. Thank you for joining us on the TTAC podcast. Just a reminder, you can find us at the Truth About Cars, thetruthaboutcars.com, ttac.com. I'm Tim Healy, the managing editor. We are here with Chris Tun as well, who's one of our contributing writers. And we had on Jennifer Moran from the Chicago Auto Show earlier, as well as automotive content creator Jill Simonello. And we also thank Matthew Guy for talking hydraulic floor jacks with us. And we're going to have to remind you, as we always do, that eBay Motors is our sponsor. And that's why they bring us, they bring us to you, because eBay Motors is here for the ride with a with over 122 million parts to your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. 